Good morning, everybody. Welcome to DrBoysTV.com and the Black Love Channel. Uh, today, uh, I got up this morning and I rolled over and uh, something amazing happened to me today. You won't believe it. I rolled over and I looked to my left and laying next to me was the most beautiful black woman on earth uh, by the name of Dr. Alicia Watkins. How you doing today, babe? You are so kind. Aren't yeah. you kind? Well, you know what? Um, it's a blessing to wake up next to a beautiful black woman. And and a guy asked me today, he said, <laughs> I, I always I always mention, I don't just say I have a wife. I always say I have a black wife. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you married a black woman. How many times are you going to tell us that? <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell y'all that every week, at least twice a week, because A, I'm proud to be married to a black woman. And B, I, I, I want to just send notice all these suckers that don't respect our women the way, the way that we should. Ah, you're setting an example, boys. I don't know what, well, yeah. you know, whatever it is, it's, it's a passion. You know, it's like, it's like if you're a rapper, you tell people that you rap every week. You always tell people <laughs> about your music. If you're a basketball player, you're always talking about, you know, which, which NBA team, you know, you think is going to win the finals, you know? So why can't we just be as passionate about our love for each other as we are about everything else? We're passionate about what white people do. We're passionate about police shootings. We're passionate about mm-hmm. uh, Democrats and Republicans, right? So if we're going to be passionate about all that stuff. I think it's okay to be passionate about having a strong black family and being proud of that. So that's what I it is. I think that's wonderful. That's great. I would hope that people would look up to us and want to get together and make it work and and celebrate each other and all those wonderful things. What is it like being a husband, boys? It's cool. Is it cool? It's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work really yeah well you know i always said i mean and since we're gonna talk about bill cosby today because we were talking about that earlier but yeah but i was i was saying that you know i was talking to some of my friends about just keeping it 100 about how like a good wife does protect men you oh know? okay i don't know if anybody else has noticed this or not but a good wife protects you like i like i, I kind of wish when i think about cosby um i i believe he should have gotten out of jail for sure but you know, I, I kind of wonder, I'm like, hmm, maybe maybe being next to Camille a little bit more could have kept you safe from all those situations that you were in. We don't know what type of arrangement they have together. We really don't know, do we? Yeah, well, nobody knows anybody's relationship. Yeah, we don't know. And um, they're together now. It seems like they're really sticking it through. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's dedication. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. God bless them. Yeah, we 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 uh we actually talked to Bill Cosby the other day, and uh, that yeah, was yeah. You know, I I was really pleased that he was still funny. You know, he that, was like... he, he cracked jokes. <laughs> we talked like, we talked for ten minutes, and he was cracking jokes in those. Yeah, 10 minutes. so I like that because um I didn't want it to steal his I don't know steal his ability to see the irony in things and to. And it, it it lets you know that um, he still has this positive attitude and can and can point out things that are really funny. I I liked his energy. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it was what you would expect. It you know it reminds yeah. me of the the time when I got a chance to meet um, with Minister Louis Farrakhan uh, for the first time. I've talked to him a few times since then, but but it was like right in that moment. I remember thinking, okay, this is Farrakhan. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a hundred percent Farrakhan. It wasn't like, you know, for some people they have a public persona and a private persona. Right. Right. You know, I, I felt like with the minister, it was a hundred percent authentic all the way across the board, privately and publicly. He's always Farrakhan or Dr. Claude Anderson. 
He's yeah. al- he's always he's always Dr. Claude Anderson. Is oh my it? god, yes. When we went to visit him and his wife. Oh, I love him and his That wife. was so great. It was great to see them interact with each other and to see him. He was on. Like he was yeah. just like he was on your podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, was, he's always talking about, you know, <laughs> solutions for black people and and it's a damn shame that, you know, that we elevate people that don't have solutions. We elevate the idiots. Mm-hmm. And we're trained to ignore the smart people, the people that actually have the solutions. And that's why I go out of my way. Like, you know, and, and in general, I think uh, when, when I think about it, I think that my conversation on the Cosby case, um, yeah. my conversation about Dr. Anderson and my conversation about you being married to a black woman, it all kind of fits a pattern in my personality. Oh, OK. Say more about that. The pattern is that I think I wear I, who I am. I wear that on my sleeve. The yeah. Thing, <laughs> the things I believe in and I'm passionate about. Like, I'm going to talk about those things, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm passionate about solutions, uh, education and economics for black people. I talk about that all the time. Wow. Because Bill Cosby is a great supporter of education and mm-hmm. um, Claude Anderson. He's a great supporter of the economic piece. That mm-hmm. is like aspects of you. That is yeah. really awesome. Well, you know, um, there's a piece of me that does admire like all those people and yeah. and puts them in kind of the same category, because I think sometimes we forget. We forget that we're black in America. Like, I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you know what I'm talking about. Where where some people act like racism is dead and gone and that it's a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're always black. You're still black. They still doing the same stuff that they did 100 years ago. They didn't stop. You know, so with the Cosby case, um, you know, not, this does not mean Cosby was completely innocent or never, ever did anything wrong. A lot of people do things wrong, but if you can't prove it, you can't lock them up. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. break the law. You, but you know, I'm saying I'm not saying Cosby did or didn't, but but if you can't prove it, like if a white woman breaks the law and I can't prove it, mm-hmm. I can't say, well, let's go lock her up because a lot of people will say that she did something illegal. They're gonna say prove it. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, what happened, the reason why it can't be proven, is because their story kind of aligns together. He's like, oh yeah, I gave her drugs. She asked for drugs. She right. said it was okay. Yes, we had a a moment. We had a what is it called entanglement? But mm. it was she gave me the green light, you know. Mm. So it wasn't as if um, he forced anybody to do something. And I think that's where you, it becomes illegal. Um, well, what? Well, the, well, the interesting thing to me uh-huh. is the way media went out of their way to deliver, really almost lie, like deliberately misinterpret mm-hmm. that Cosby deposition. Um, you know, they, they keep, they, they've been saying in the media that he admitted to drugging women, uh, you know, and, and uh, against their will. Oh, against and their he, will. And okay. he never said against their will. Uh, he ne- and he never drugged them. He, he said, they asked for drugs. I gave them drugs. Yeah. And, and that was at a time, you know, Judge Joe Brown, the way he kind of body slammed Mark on my hill on that topic. Uh, he did a great job. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta throw that in there. Cause he did, he, he, he made Mark look, look kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, is he explained, he put it into context and he said, this was the sixties, free love, mm-hmm. drugs everywhere, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rap. I remember <laughs> saying, you know, he said it his own way, sex, drugs, rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rap, you know, like, like he's got that country accent and he's right. You mm-hmm. know, um, and we met Judge Joe Brown too. Man. What do you think That's about that? That's right. We did meet him. What an interesting man. Good grief. I mean, we just like kind of stood around talking to him and then we had to sit down because yeah. he had a lot to say and about a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh, and I can't even repeat the conversation we had about Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, no. Let's just. Ooh, buddy. 
Let's keep the Barack Obama conversation. If y'all heard that conversation about Barack, (laughs) Judge Joe Brown is a dangerous (laughs) person because he he knows where the bodies are buried. Yes, he does. And he doesn't give a damn anymore. He just will share whatever. And he broke, ooh, but I wish y'all could have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. I'm not going to repeat it <laughs> because I don't want to, I don't really want to drift from what we're discussing, but. He had a lot to say about a lot of different people, though. Oh, um, who's the guy, the other actor, Al Sharpton? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, he oh, has stuff the, to say about Al Sharpton. Whoa, yeah, the stuff he said about Al Sharpton <laughs> was not fit for TV. <laughs> Yeah, he said some stuff about Sharpton that was pretty. Yeah, the thing about Judge Joe Brown, and I, I like I like talking about him because I, I think him and Cosby, I, I'm hoping they get a chance to talk. Yeah, it's because oh, yeah. Judge Joe Brown is interesting for two reasons. To me. Two two reasons he's interesting to me. One, he um he is very 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 intelligent. Like a lot of people think because you got that country twang or whatever that you're not smart or whatever. That man has a photographic memory. Yeah. Like he remembers everything. And then the second thing is um. Everything you ask him, he he's a great storyteller. He always tells a story. He'll never if you say, Judge, what is your favorite color? He'll say, Well, back in 1955, <laughs> there was a Russian man named Vladimir Osopikov who worked for the KGB. Like he'll, he'll just and then and then the, the story will end with explaining why his favorite color is brown or whatever. Yeah, I you know what? I think we need to look to elders. I think that we really need to look to elders to guide this conversation because they have the perspective. Even like mm. talking to my mom who's almost 80. Mm. <laughs> just listening to her. I mean, she's, you know, come on. We're all, she grew up in that era. Mm-hmm. And so she was really able to give a perspective that I think someone like Nicole, our daughter, isn't able to give because Nicole yep. doesn't know what's going on, you know? And yep. so I think some of the youth can learn from the wisdom and the perspective of older people, even like your mom and my mom, like they were totally on the board with the with the Bill Cosby situation, which yeah. is really interesting that, you mm-hmm. know, some of the older citizens here you know senior citizens you know you think they're senior citizens but then they start talking about what it was like back in the day and you're like hey wait they were actual people back then yeah well what (laughs) what the white media does not do Mm -hmm. is they don't hear from people that we hear from right they don't listen to those people right they they like to the liberals the the big thing that drives me crazy about liberals is they love telling black people what they're supposed to think they uh-huh. love looking at us and saying, no, you're wrong. You should be this way. And what I like about um, it, having a platform is because I started building this platform after I actually got banned from CNN uh-huh. uh, back in 2008. I said, you know, I think I need to build my own. And it's that's what and what we have now is what I've been building for like 10, 12 years. And um, and I remember, uh, you know, that uh, we did a survey on this platform of a few hundred thousand people. And I said, do you think Cosby should be out of jail? 88% overwhelming majority said yes. Mm-hmm. 88%. You don't see that on TV. They're not going to talk about that. And then uh, when we talk, you know, we, we talk about that, that, that hidden demographic, the people that they, that the media won't listen to um, older black women, yeah. like your mama and my mama, they didn't give a damn. They were like, they were like, you know, they, I mean, they laid down like some facts that only your black mama can like yes. break down for you. And they just, you know, and I think that their perspective was like, we know the game. Yes, that's exactly what they were saying. Those women, my mom was like, those women were drug addicts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they would do whatever they can to get on a case, get some more money, 
to take some more drugs. You know, she she saw it. She saw it. And she listens. What it's what's amazing is that she watches MSNBC all day long. Mm-hmm. Like she watches that media, but for some reason it is not permeating her in terms of her perspective. Especially her perspective, because uh, she's definitely in support of Louis Farrakhan. Yes, and she that is. channel is not. And I thought it was like really interesting. They they really didn't sway her, not totally. Because we thought, mm-hmm. oh Lord, we talked to my mom. I'm like, oh Lord, she we didn't lost her to MSNBC. <laughs> we yeah. lost her, but no, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that that's and that's the thing. I, I I like you know I like the fact that there are people. There are women in the community who really just understand it enough to kind of um, they, they, they don't have to deal with us men in a certain way where we know that there's boundaries of of behavior. Like we know, you know, when I'm around a strong, you know, well, I don't say strong black woman, that's such a cliche term. But <laughs> when I'm around, you know, quality women, I call it people don't understand what I mean when I say quality women. I'm talking about just women who are solidly rooted in um in the black family solidly rooted in the black community solidly rooted with the black man um mm-hmm. you know that there's boundaries like you know that there's uh there's there's boundaries of appropriate behavior right and then you also know that if something happens and you're accused of something or something goes wrong they're gonna hear you out like they're gonna ca- try to understand the context you know yes. um, it's like that, that guy that kid i met in my event the kid that uh, remember i told you about that kid from usc Yes, he, yeah. He, he was a football star in high school and he was dating a white girl. He was falsely accused of rape. And uh and he he told me that and he said he's actually at um not USC, I'm sorry, he's at uh Stanford right now. And he said that when he tried to talk to his white friends about it, they didn't want to hear it because they knew he was just accused and that means he was guilty, that's it. Uh and then he said at UCLA, he got around black liberals, like the LGBT types or whatever, and they didn't want to hear it because they said, Well, you got straight black male privilege and what mm-hmm. you have to say doesn't matter. But he said the only people that heard him were the black women that were around him. He said the black women, you know, they knew him as a person and they didn't necessarily judge him right off the bat. And when it was revealed that the white woman had a mental uh, issue, she was kind of off and on these crazy medications and was making false accusations. They That's when they let him go. Right. And, but he said, I was so traumatized. And he said, nobody heard me. Nobody heard. Nobody hears like the pain and the trauma that black men feel like. If, if Except it, a black woman, which really makes sense that Felicia Rashad would say what she said. Yes. Right. You know, so we don't want to see our black men go down from something crazy like this. We're going to stick up for him. And it's almost like we don't even care if we're at jeopardy, even though we're going to say what's right. No matter mm. what happens. Yeah. Shout out to Felicia Rashad. Can yes. We, can we can we type the word Felicia with a P? In the chat, everybody type, right. type Felicia Rashad's name in the chat just to let her know we support her. Howard University needs to be ashamed for not backing her up, at least backing up her right to speak. Like, it's not so much that they, it's not a problem that they disagree with her. The problem is that they act like she ain't got a right to have an opinion. Everybody mm-hmm. else got a right to have an opinion as long as it's the right opinion. Mm-hmm. She know, got off script. Yeah, yeah, she got lost. Well, you're not speaking the standard Negro. You're not following the Negro protocol that we've set for you, and that, mm. that ain't, that's. I mean, you're infringing on her First Amendment, right? You mm-hmm. know, oh, what, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, so I, 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 I applaud that. But by the way, um, this is this segment we we started calling it Pillow Talk with Doctor Boyce and Doctor Alicia because we realized that most of the time when we're talking, we're literally laying on our pillows. Right next to each other. <laughs> we are. We are straight chilling. So pillow talk is early in the morning. So I guess pillow talk doesn't have to be at night. 
No, I mean, we we work. I guess it doesn't matter. People can listen to this anytime. We both have our own businesses, so we we can do pills. We can sleep in until we want, whenever we want to. So, yeah, I guess. I guess it doesn't matter. Okay. What are people in the chat saying? Um, Well, everybody's supporting Felicia, you know, and I, and I saw somebody that did make a legitimate point. And by the way, I want to make it clear, you know, we don't get offended if you disagree. Like if you think Cosby is a bum, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not the guy that's going to say, Oh God, what's wrong with you? You're stupid. We, I don't do what, the other people on the other side do. I, I think everybody has a right to have an opinion because, you know, all those accusations are very disturbing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that's interesting, you know, that I, I thought, I thought about the other day, did you, did I tell you about the uh, conversation I had online about um, planting evidence, how the media plants evidence? Um, you mentioned it the other day, but I didn't get to listen to it. Yeah. Well, I made the argument that, um, you know, there's a difference between winning a case in the court of law and the court of public opinion. Yes. In the court of law, you really need real evidence. In the court of public opinion, you don't really need evidence. You just need opinion. You need people to f- agree with you, you know, to hit, to, you need to, you know, convince them, right? So, um, in the court of public opinion, which is what people like Gloria Allred use against guys like Cosby, they don't want to really go to the court of law because they know they don't have a legal leg to stand on. They mm-hmm. know that they can't get him incarcerated or take his money without violating his civil rights, right? Um, but in the court of public opinion, they say, well, the standard for evidence is very, very low. There is no evidence. You know, the ev- evidence is, well, tw- 20 people said you did it, so it must be true. Since 20 people accuse you, then it must be true. But the point that I made was I said, um, the problem, though, is that there was never a point where anybody really went through each particular individual accusation to validate the credibility of the accuser. Like they, they, because they, they, they defend themselves by calling it victim blaming when really you don't know who the victim is. Maybe Cosby's a victim. Right. So maybe you're victim blaming by making all these accusations against this man. Right. So so what I so my point was to say um, a lot of this planting of evidence, what it come, can come down to is, look, if I'm glory already and I'm, I'm in for the shakedown, I don't really care about guilty innocence. I ain't trying to send nobody to jail. I just want well, I just want him to write a hundred million dollar check so my law firm can get paid. Here's what I do. Right. You have one or two accusers that are clearly solid that where you're like, okay, something might have happened here. We're real concerned, but that's not enough. Right. Two accusers accusing him of something that allegedly happened 30 years ago with no physical evidence. That's not going to work in the court of law. So what do you do if you're Gloria Albright? Well, you put out an ad. This is what she did. You put out Mm -hmm. an ad in USA Today. Say anybody who's ever slept with Bill Cosby who was assaulted or drugged by Cosby, uh, call our law office and you can join this $100 million lawsuit. So that means that every every person, every crackhead, every broke actress in Hollywood, you know, everybody who needs money, who's ever got with Cosby in the last 40 years, can add their name to the lawsuit. And what's happening is, in my view, is that there's not a lot of scrutiny. There's There's not appear to be a lot of scrutiny for whether or not the accusation is valid or invalid. So what you do is you take a couple of, of, of credible accusations and you pile on with 10 or 20 other questionable ones, ones mm-hmm. that would be very questionable if you were to really lay out all the facts to people. And then you say, look, he must have done it. Look at all these accusers. So that's the game. The number one trump card they had on Cosby, the, number, the only thing they had, they had no evidence. Now, mind you, anybody who knows of any evidence, give me a yes or no if you've seen any physical evidence that Cosby is guilty. Anything physical that, you know, videotape, just, I don't know anything uh, that, that show a, a rape kit, 
I mean, you know, all these right. But the only thing they had their number one trump card was the number of allegations. That's it. Okay, so it becomes a he said, she said. It's like this is what he was saying. This is what she said. Yeah, but but mm-hmm. what they do is they take a he said, she said, and then make it into a, a he said, they said. Uh-huh. And then when they make it a they said, and then you pile it on with a bunch of Becky tears, right? Because mm-hmm. white women's tears are gold. White women's tears are worth more than gold, oh, gold and right. platinum put together. Yeah, you get you get gold. So look at Gloria Allred's press conferences and notice there's always somebody crying at the damn press conference. That is not coincidental. That is orchestrated. Right. And it's all designed to build on this 400 year legacy where America protects the white woman, unlike anybody else. So when they mm-hmm. see a white woman cry, they say, oh, it must be true. Look, she's crying. Right. And the black man must have done it because we know black men are terrible people. Right. Mm-hmm. And and what I like, no, not terrible people. Black men are sexual predators. That too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They, they, they can't control themselves sexually. They're just like wild beasts and animals. That is the mind control. Mm-hmm. That's what they want us to see. Yeah. Even someone as intelligent and brilliant as Bill Cosby, even he can't control that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I and mm-hmm. I, I personally would say, um, if you're gonna have people making accusations that might send a person to die in prison, um, I want all those people taking a lie detector test to start with. Like every single person. Every, yeah, but, and, you know, and can, even lie detector tests aren't really that. Well, at least it, it could be something. it could be another piece of evidence, mm-hmm. you know. It, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, you know, and, and because here's the thing, I mean, I don't know. Give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no. Do you think that if if somebody announces, hey, put your name on this paper and you can get a piece of a one hundred million dollar check that Cosby's going to write, um, do you think that there might be a temptation of some people to just put their name on the list if there's no scrutiny? Yeah, right. There's and it's not, and the media doesn't talk about any of this which tells you what their agenda is. You know, boys, what is, what do you think is the big takeaway for black men? Because it seemed like mm. Bill Cosby was going after white women back in those days. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a, it could be seen as a status symbol. Here I am with this, you know, nice, beautiful white woman. And here I am in Hollywood. And I've made, I don't know, like, what do you think the big takeaway would be? Cause here you are, you're a married man. Bill Cosby's a married man. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you think <clears throat> people listening to you right now? Because you may you've you've laid it all out. You've done a very great job, of course. What's the big takeaway? Okay, there's a couple of takeaways depending on what you believe. If mm-hmm. you believe Cosby did something wrong, the obvious takeaway is you you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 it because I I I'm okay even though even though I'm not by I'm I'm not unbiased I'm not objective in this case I believe Cosby should never been in prison I told him that I told that to his representative Andrew White who came mm-hmm. on this channel the other day and did a great interview uh, he should not have been in jail but I don't know what lies in a man's heart. And I don't know what what a man does in the bedroom. I I never know that. I've I've confronted that when when people uh, uh, challenged me on Charlemagne the God's accusations. I right. said I said I don't know. I did not know mm-hmm. that man at that time. I have not talked to Charlemagne in two years. When people challenged me on Russell Simmons' accusations, I said I knew Russell Simmons in one context when we worked on that mass incarceration campaign in 2013. I did not know Russell in the 90s. I cannot speak on that. When my best friend was accused of of rape oh. um, years ago, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but because it was a fault, it turned out to, it was proven to be a false accusation. Um, I was asked about that, and I said, "He's my boy. I want I want truth to come out." But I've never I've never been in the room 
when he's having sex. So I don't know. I can't sit here and say, I know or just because he's my friend. People do that. People say, well, that's my friend. He would never do that. You don't know what your, your friends do in the bedroom. But but with him, fortunately, thank God, it, it was revealed that this lady had, had falsely accused four other men in the same year. It was something crazy. But they locked him up. He was in jail for three weeks. He had to quit school. He lost all his money and he was traumatized in jail. Um, and that was before that. And then eventually they found out that he didn't do it. That that's what happens to so many. And it's, it's, on, it's crazy. So the takeaway to me is if you believe he did it, then obviously the takeaway is don't do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if, if you believe he did not do it, if you believe that this was, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the contrived orchestrated effort on the part of others to, um, to misinterpret ambiguous situations, drug fueled, alcohol fueled sex binges and turn that into something that it wasn't with mm-hmm. no evidence whatsoever. Uh, you know, I think the, 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 to me, the takeaway is be careful, right. like, you know, like you still mm-hmm. black. Like, and I, and I think that's the thing that um, I think is just real. You know, if you're a black man, you know, like for example, when they talk about women sleeping with their boss, one of the arguments that some people make is, you know, if you're a woman, you sleep with your boss, your boss has power that you don't have. So your boss has the ability to force you to do things that you shouldn't do mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Uh, well, because there's a power dynamic. They always talk about the power imbalance. Yes. Well, with the black man, there's a power imbalance when you sleep with a white woman. The white woman has the ability to ruin your life with with a story. If she walks out of that room, like y'all go in there and y'all do what lovers do and nobody else is around um, and y'all y'all have a little get together. She can walk out of that room and tell whatever story she wants and people are going to believe her. Mm-hmm. That scares the hell out of me. That mortifies me. And it, it, it's not just true for white women. It's, it's true in general for, you know, for women, but, but really for white women. So that's why I've never slept with a white woman because I don't know. I, well, I'm not attracted. I'm, I'm more attracted to black women anyway. Thank God. But if I was interested in a white woman, I'd be like, I'd have to really know her and trust the hell out of her for years before <laughs> mm-hmm. I would lay down her. Cause, cause the thing is, all you want is fairness. All you want is honesty. You know, and there's some people out here who are just flat out dishonest, who will go into a room with you, do some stuff with you. And then later on, they're, they, maybe they want something from you. Maybe they want money or they want more attention. And then you don't give that to them. Then they come back and say, oh, this person raped me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the problem is once you get that stain of the accusation, you can't wash it off. Like I, I go through that even even with what I do now. You know, I, I you, you, you and the thing that men should understand is that your wife kind of protects you from that. You know, like, like you protect me. You've, you've protected me when I've had, like I work with Fly Nubian Queen and there are some women that will come in that want to get real close to me, want to get to know me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And having you around is a, is a shield. It protects me from people that want to get a little bit too close. And that way there's no ambiguity. It's like, you know, cause I, uh, there was one lady with Fly Nubian Queen who'd actually, who quit and she was kind of bratty about it or whatever and, and upset. We had to fire her. And so she insinuates online that, you know, that, well, Boyce tried to hit on me. Dr. Boyce tried to hit on me. And and I was able to easily say that can't be, that's not true because I've never been in the room with her. I've never met her in person. I never invited myself to be in the room with her. And both times I talked to her, you were right there. You know who it is. Oh, I'm not going to say okay. her name, but All you know right. who it is. <laughs> I was wasn't really even, funny. yeah, you were right there. I And and that's, that's you were right there and we were on speakerphone. So it's like that, that I did that for protection. You got to be strategic in this. If you are a black man and you don't know how to be strategic, they will take your ass down. You got to be playing chess on these sons of bitches. You can't be out here playing checkers. And too many of these dudes are playing checkers and they don't mm. understand how how many ways they can get you hemmed up. 
So if you're perceived as a powerful black person like Bill Cosby was for sure in Hollywood, he's somebody, he's the get to know person, yep. you know, in Hollywood at the time, you know, his power. Now that gave him power. And yep. I guess you um, really wanted to grow Fly Nubian Queen really well. And he is doing awesome. I love that. Love that channel, by the way. And, you know, trying to you say, wow, women need to have a voice. I remember talking to you about this. Women mm-hmm. need to have a voice. We need to have something that's too male because me and you were talking about how um, social media and a lot of these platforms is so male dominated. You know, what is it? We want to hear from what women want to think. And so you really were passionate about that. And so that does, in that sense, give you some sort of power. You know, I don't think that you really are that hands on with La Nubian Queen as much as well, usual. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not but, but, um, and you're right. I mean, yeah, there, there is the power there. And people treat you different when they think you got money and power and all right, that. Right. And sometimes as men, we can become drunk with power. Like right. that's what you, you know, you know, like, like Chris Rock actually was talking about how men just pretty much accumulate wealth and power just so they can get more vagina. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, and now my, in my case, it's more like, I, that's not like, I, like I'm, I'm not 30 years old, like I'm 50. Right. And what happens is as you get older, you realize that there's also a curse that comes with that. There's a danger that comes with that. Every time you engage with a person or you entangle with them, there's a lot of complexities that can emerge from that situation. So uh, as a general rule, my advice to young guys, especially guys who are ambitious, who are going to have money is to understand that when you are a black man and you get a little bit of money in your pocket, you become a target. You will be a target. Mm-hmm. And if you are a sucker, if you're not smart, if you are uh, undisciplined, if you have uh, a weakness that is easily exploitable, people will um, take advantage of that. You know, um, like that, that story I told you about, but that lady called me that one time um, when I was at AOL Black Voices. Well, I told you that story about the lady who worked for the Brazilian butt doctor. <laughs> You're kidding. No, no. Wait, this, what happened? No, this lady. Okay, I had just written an article 12 years ago about Lawrence Taylor, the football player. Uh-huh. And he, Gloria Albright got, you know, got money out of him too, I think. Uh, because she she had one of her Becky Tear press conferences, except actually, this was actually a young black girl claiming that Lawrence Taylor had slept with this underage girl. Right. And I, and I was like, wow, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. Right. And uh, <clears throat> but here's the thing. So this lady called me. She said she worked for a Brazilian butt doctor. And she said, I know that girl and I know her crew she runs with. She said and she she gave me a whole backstory oh. that blew my mind. She said, oh, yeah, there's three of them. She said one's 15, one's 16, the other one's 19. And what they do is they study rappers and athletes, uh, it's the ones that like, um, you know, fast women. And basically they'll find out like, okay, this so-and-so young GZ or whoever is coming to town. He likes jump offs. Um, I'm going to go, we're going to go to the club and lure him in. And the 19 year old was real pretty and she was of age. And basically they would lure the guys in and they would get them to go to the hotel room with them. They would do a Cardi B type thing on them. They would bring him to a hotel room, give him a drink. The guy passes out. And then they put the 15 year old in the bed with the guy and Mm -hmm. start taking pictures. And then they would extort money from the guys after they woke up. And most of the guys would just pay him because it was like $10,000. Like it was like ghetto extortion, you know, like $10,000, a lot of money, I guess. If you don't know who it. And, uh, but then she claimed, yeah, she felt, she claimed that she felt that Lawrence Taylor didn't pay. And that's why next thing you know, they're on, you know, Gloria Allred's holding a press conference and, you know, and all this other stuff. So my point is to say, not that every single accusation is false. We know that that's not true. But I think that to believe that every accusation is true just because somebody said it is equally ridiculous. Man, I, you would have something happened like that. 
I would run to the police so bad and turn those people in so quick. We'd we'd be fighting each other to see who gets to the police first. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no, this is this is illegal. I'm out of here. I'm calm. I'm reporting you. <laughs> uh, you know, that is so interesting. What are you looking up? Oh, nothing. I was actually sending a note to my um assistant to tell her that I need an extra few minutes for the meeting. Are you late to a meeting, boys? Yeah, but I, I I enjoy sitting there talking to you. By the way, um, Alicia's doing a, a, a Alicia's a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work, but she's yeah. also she works with couples um on a regular basis. And this week she's doing a uh two day masterclass on uh, premarital. Um, yeah, breakdowns. what you need to what do you need to know? What do you what conversations do you need to have before you get married? Yeah. And a lot of people do not have those conversations first. Mm, or to decide if somebody's you know right for you yeah because love is not enough you know love is not enough oh we so happy we so in love that is not enough to get married or she got a nice booty she got a nice booty i'm marrying her (laughs) (laughs) i know guys do i know guys that will marry a woman because they like her booty oh they're gonna be miserable right or or woman or women who think a man's a good catch just because he has a little bit of money or or he, he looks good on paper and it's like it's so deep so much deeper than that yeah because those kind of people they end up in my office a lot really and i say well, did you have these conversations before you got married before you decided to do no they never decided how they were going to divide simple stuff like who's going to cook who's going to clean who's going to do the laundry who's going to pay the bills you know nothing how many children do you want to have they don't even have these types of conversations before they get married they just go into the marriage with assumptions and of course, um, the reality hits and become very miserable, especially that first year. Wow. It's really awful. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important stuff. And uh, and by the way, so if you are interested, you can go to the blackmarriageclass.com. Uh, that's the URL. And, um, and, and also, you can follow Alicia on Instagram. And also, you can check out our site, um, which does couples counseling at coachingwithdralicia.com. Thank so you for bringing it up. I appreciate it, boys. Wow. Thank you for all your support. Well, you I know, just have to I, I mean, I gotta, show you appreciation well, for my business. Well, I, I, you know, I tell <laughs> I tell our girls. <clears throat> I told them. I, I told Taylor and her friends the other day. Oh, really? They came by, Colin, um, with you know. Uh-huh. I, well, I guess I shouldn't say all the names, but this is our first names. The first name. They came by, and I and they were, and I said, "So, so y'all going to do your, your business this summer?" And they said, "We're thinking about it." I said, I think y'all should do it. Y'all did a great job. And I said, remember, every woman needs to have her own money, girl. And I was oh, always kind of so messing funny. with them. But I think that's important. You got to teach your daughters to have their own money because a lot of um, people and women especially get exploited because they have financial insecurity and their partner makes all the money. And they, you know, they can't leave a bad relationship because they don't have enough money to do it. Yeah, totally stuck. But I think for me, it's just like, I'm so passionate about what I do. It's just like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Like, this is so much fun to sit and work with couples. When they come to see me, it's like awful. Some of the stuff that they go through, some of the stuff that they do to each other, you're just like, oh my God, time out, time out here. And just to be able to use, gosh, what a 20, over 20 years of knowledge to be able to use. I didn't even know I knew as much as I knew. You know, this is very validating for me because it's really nice to use all the things that I know and all the things that I've experienced myself and to be able to help a couple, especially black couples. Mm. And it, it doesn't even have to take a lot. It could just be a tweaks here and there and to say, okay, I can make a, a good relationship. Great. Why mm. not? So it's just, it's fun. And so to see, wow, I actually get paid for this. It's, mm. um, it's really interesting. So, I mean, I would say to those women, to those girls, when you get up, follow your passion, you know, that voice in your head, that, that, 
whatever it is that's dragging you toward your purpose in life, do that and then start a business around that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think yeah. I think if you, if you know, I mean, if you know entrepreneurship and how to start a business, you can build a business model around almost anything. Yeah, you, and then learn, like, be an expert. So it's like I'm passionate about what I do, but I'm always learning. I'm always reading. I'm always, of course, I have to keep my license current. So I have to keep, get my CEUs. But you know that sort of thing. It just keeps the spark going. It keeps you on top of everything, and then you just you just know so much. Yeah. 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 Now back to Bill Cosby. Real quick. Yes, so Bill let, Cosby. Let's, let's summarize with that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. Um, I, I think that overall, as we were talking earlier about, you know, um, relationships and marriage and Cosby, the big picture to me is, mm-hmm. first of all, I, I just think that Camille and Felicia Rashad, it's interesting how we see them both as his wives. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, Felicia's his TV wife, his first wife, and then Camille is the other wife. Right. And you all, you can't help but feel like there's a connection, like in terms of the caliber and quality. If you think about it, Felicia and Camille are both women that carry themselves with um, a type of dignity and grace that is really respected. And uh, and that's something I can relate to. You know, like when um, we, we talked to when you and I talked to Bill Cosby, when you and I talked to Dr. Claude Anderson, I, I mentioned to you, I said, notice that all three of us have wives who are doctor something. Like we have smart, ah. smart black women like next. And I, that's something I can really relate to. You know, it's uh, there's mm. something about that. You know, it's it's like a regal kind of quality. And, and I think that that gets tested. Right. It got tested with um, with this whole situation. And I think what we can do as men is, you know, really kind of scrutinize ourselves a little bit more in terms of saying mm-hmm. you know what does discipline look like right like you know mm-hmm. like um or even uh you know e- even just any anybody i know most men i know that are really successful that, that are married they tend to have a thing where it's kind of like they kind of know boundaries of of behavior not just out of like sort of committing mm-hmm. to um what you're supposed to do but it's also about survival yeah, and these women, I mean, they've been married for a long time, so I know they got a lot of stories. I mean, I know they've mm-hmm. been through a lot. I think their marriage, even, I would even say probably Claude Anderson and his wife, and of course Bill Cosby and his wife. You can almost tell they've been together for a long time, so you can tell they just really know each other very well. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's some stories in there, but, you know, the mm-hmm. difference is that me and you, I've known you for a very long time, but not in this way. So yeah. it would have been interesting if we had got seriously if we had dated in college and got married back then. Oh gosh. Imagine boys Oof. thirty you're twenty something years old, we had got married. What stories would we have? You know what? <laughs> we have I, some I, would, I, would, I was happily single in my twenties and thirties <laughs> and I, I didn't want I didn't want to get married till I was forty five, you know. It's funny. I, I think that some. I think there was some guy who uh, is us. apparently a couple of people are really obsessed with our relationship, even though they, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But they, but there, there was this idea that somehow you know you had shelved me for twenty six years. And, I shelved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you just decided to get with me twenty six years later, twenty six years after I met you, and I was like, no, actually, I, I didn't want to get married till I was forty five years old. Really. Yeah, I just didn't. But wait, weren't you engaged though? I was engaged, and and that How was. How old a, were you when you? I was about thirty five, and I was interested in having kids, and it didn't work out. And she was an awesome woman, but it was like I could have went either way. And after the engagement, after we called that off, I kind of said, "Well, you know, wait a minute, I don't actually have to ever get married if I don't want to." And uh-huh. I so I kind of teetered back and forth, and my position on it was, if I'm if I run into a situation 
mm-hmm. where that then, like an offer you can't refuse or a situation that can't be replaced, you know, then, then I'm probably going to marry that woman. Right. <clears throat> you know, and, and, you know, but if I, if I'm, if I'm in a good situation, I probably won't want to get married because marriage does take work and it, it is a commitment and there's responsibilities. You know, a lot of guys won't get married because it's, they, they're not able to handle accountability. Like, you know, you're accountable for, <laughs> for other people. Yeah, you you're go accountable your whole financially. Life and, and you don't have to answer to anybody. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. It can be an adjustment. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, it takes more. Like, marriage is not for weak men. It's not for immature men. Right. And uh, and, and right. so I really think even my honest belief is, is, is that if you're under 30 and you're getting married, you got to be real careful. You really need some coaching. It's possible to do. I'm not saying yeah. you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I would just say anybody under 30 that gets married needs to really have like a coach that they, they talk to once a week who can keep <laughs> that shit straight. And then, but you know, and then because really 35 and up is when you're kind of ready as a man because you're more like it's like okay, I've already done some stuff. I've lived my life a little bit. I've had, and it ain't just about you know women. Yeah, it's more about just you know, doing on, what you want to do. Like who's having kids at thirty five? Well, that's you the thing. Get, you know, well, that's, that's the thing. Your I, time, your clock is ticking. So these men would have to marry women in their twenties. Yeah, yeah, they would marry a younger woman, and that and that was something I thought about doing. I thought when I was forty, I was like, okay, I could I could marry like a thirty year old. That's a, honestly like you know you, you start meeting more women, and I'm going all over the world. There's there's women like there was women everywhere, like smart women pretty women all that what? none you like women you everywhere boys? No, none like you none wow. like you yeah and i chose to <laughs> i chose to marry you because i felt like you were that person where it's like if i pass up this woman next to me i can't uh-huh. replace her like like i i didn't feel like and that's the thing that that i think women should understand is that you shouldn't just compete on the superficial stuff like who's got the nicest booty or who's best best you know with sex it's like that those qualities that are solely unique to you like, like, you know me in a way that nobody else does. I know you in a way nobody else does. I can't replace you. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that I think you drive dead gorgeous, right? So that mm-hmm. is what makes you say, okay, I want to lock this in because I can't do, I can't see myself doing better than this, right? And also, when you get like, you know, the, the way you make decisions in your, your late 40s is different from the way you make decisions in your late 20s. Mm-hmm. So your late 40s, you're having to face... um you know, you're facing your mortality, you know, like when, you know, I had high blood, bad high blood pressure and all this uh-huh. other stuff. So you're kind of like, okay, I don't want to be, I saw an episode of Martin one time. I know you <laughs> you love Martin. I love that show. Yeah. And there was an episode where Martin was like, yeah, I'm going to stay young and fly. He was playing poker with a bunch of old dudes. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be young and fly. Ain't no woman going to hold me down. I'm just going <laughs> to live it up. And, and the older dude, the OG basically told him, he said, you know, uh, he's, I think he said something like, you know, every old fool used to be a young fool. Mm-hmm. and it's like and i remember hearing about that where he was talking about basically like when you get older you got to think about who's going to really be there for me or whatever and and, and i look around and, I, and when you see guys like rappers a lot of rappers that live the fast life mm-hmm. you know up until you know whatever they died like 47 48 years old and so i think to some extent a wife it does kind of it slows you down but it protects you from yourself ah you know protecting it, it, yourself it, from yourself so get you get married to me protected yourself it did. It did. From all sorts of things. Well, you think about it. You you make me exercise. You make me. Well, you don't make me. I don't make you. You, do you encourage me to eat food that is healthier than the food I would be eating if I was single. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get into situations because when you're with your wife, you're not going to be in crazy situations with women that you don't know that well. So you're, you're not going to be a subject. Well, you to know, just because you're married, that don't stop women from. Yeah, but if you're with your wife, if you're next to her, 
it's so, more difficult, but it's not right. impossible. Right. So if you have a man <laughs> who genuinely wants to be mm-hmm. a good man, you know, then my advice to that man is, you know, stick around your wife. That way, whatever thing might tempt you, the likelihood of the temptation is much lower as opposed to like mm. just run around and just be in all these weird situations or whatever. Well, you I know. trust you. I mean, I don't have to be around you all the time. Like you could go and travel and do whatever. I trusted everything would be fine. Well, you, you know, know, it's not like, well, I, I, appreciate, worry. That. I mm-hmm. appreciate that trust and, and, mm-hmm. and it, it helps for sure. But it's also like, and it's not even just about women. It's more about, um, just all the things that, I mean, typically the four things that bring a man down if he's trying to be successful. That's mm-hmm. the other thing, too. Like, men who, who I think, see the value of a spouse are also, they tend to be more ambitious in the sense that they're, like, I'm more of an empire builder, right? So I don't know how I can just build an empire when it's just me. You can't have, like, a one-man empire or one-man army. Like, you have to have a legacy and children and 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 whatever. And then also... You, um, the four things that tend to bring a man down are sex, drugs, alcohol, and gambling, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when you're single, you can do all those things to whatever extent you want. You can go to Vegas, you know, get a hooker. Oh, we went to you can do all of it, all four of that in Vegas. Literally, you can go to Vegas, right? Vegas is that's why they call it Sin City, right? Mm -hmm. You get your hooker, get you some drugs, um, drink, drink till you pass out and gamble all your money away, right? And no one will stop you, yeah, yeah. And if you look at that, that's so called, um, that fake, what I call fake alpha male culture, that's what yeah. they encourage men to do. Like, just literally drink yourself into until you're dead, use drugs until you have a heart attack, you know, sleep with a bunch of women until you get accused of rape and get sent to prison and gamble away all your money and look like Antoine Walker, who went through $110 million. Oh, right. If Antoine Walker were like, I, I don't know if he got married. I think he did marry Evelyn Lozada, one of those basketball wives. Right, that gold digger. But if if he were mentored, I think, by a quality sturdy man who mm-hmm. had a good wife who could tell him to slow down, I think he would he would he would have been, you know, a very wealthy man to this day. But instead, mm-hmm. you know, he lost everything. Because you, you as a man, you just kinda have these energies that push you to do all these things that are inherently destructive, not just to other people, but to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think some of these men, um, whatever it means some of these men they look outside in themselves to to be fulfilled it's like there's something lacking in themselves i don't even know if if people really if men are really conscious of that but a lot of men who suffer from feeling of a low self-worth and people who feel like oh i have to accomplish these things in order to have my worth so i have to have a lot of money in order to have worth i have to be able to oh i need to i'm i'm in lack of something so i need to gamble you know, those those things that drive addiction mm. and behavior that is definitely not pro-social and, can, you know, helpful to you. People that drive that, they are fulfilling some sort of need within themselves that well, they did not get. It could be that they were younger. It could be that they have trauma. Who knows? But for whatever it is, you're sitting around, you're discontent. You don't know what it is and you look for drugs to help to feel that or alcohol or gambling any sort of addictions i think that these men are definitely um having some issues with and they need they need help yeah 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 addictions will ruin everything you're trying to do and the worst thing about what they did to hip-hop culture is they encouraged addictions like they mm-hmm. encourage young people mm-hmm. to become addicted at an early age um, which is going to destroy brain cells that they'll never get back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we, we've been watching Snowfall. Oh, Snowfall. Snowfall is, is just a heart heartbreaking um, show because you see how the drugs destroy people, you know, and destroy their lives. And 
And um, and then now in hip hop music, we glorify all of that. We glorify our own destruction as black people. Like that whole crack era, we still rapping about that. Like it was the glory days, you know, like, like that's a good thing. And I just really think as black people, we got to think about that kind of thing. And um, and so I, I thank God for the OGs in the community and the old school types and the older black women, and older black men, because I feel like I feel like the reason we grab on to the Joe Browns and the Dr. Claude Andersons or the reason I love listening to your mother and my mother is because they remind us of the days before we started really embracing all the nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, when we had quality families, when we really wanted to build a solid community, when education was seen as a good thing not a bad thing, you know, uh, when love and marriage was seen as a good thing, you know, uh, loving black women was seen as a good thing. Wow. Because both my parents grew up in a two family household. My mm. mom and dad grew up in a two, two parent household. So gosh, and you see, that's kind of rare, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I asked, there was one little girl that was on the track team that I used to coach. And I asked her, I said, how many of your friends have a father that lives in their house? And she mm. said, she said, none of them. Mm-hmm. None of her friends. And, and and you see the results everywhere. Like half her friends been molested, you know, because they get molested by uncles and their mama's boyfriends or whatever. And people forget that fathers protect you from that type of stuff. Like ain't nobody going to touch our daughters. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't get close enough to touch them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like seriously, like, no, no I would be on their ass. Their dad would be on their ass. Like there, there is, it's not like you could just waltz up in here and sweet talk your way through the door and get next to our kids or, or some guy dating you could be, you know, doing whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, So I mm -hmm. I personally think that we've got to really get back to where we can show that appreciation for what a good black man can bring to a family. And, and I think the part of the reason the Cosby thing is so bothersome is not because people believe that he might be guilty. I think it's okay to believe that. But it's the fact that they want they literally believe he's completely worthless to the black community, like because he's yeah. been accused, not convicted, not 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 with any evidence. But because he's been accused, they 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 want to take take down every single positive show he ever did. They want to act like he never did anything good wow. for the world, like he was never, ever good for anybody. Ever. Oh, and, you know, it hurts. It, 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 it hurts to see Bill Cosby go through this because he's the ultimate father. It's like taking Bill Cosby away. I feel like you've taken my father away. Damn. That's, Just watching that. That's so interesting. So maybe destroying Bill Cosby is symbolic it's of destroying symbolism the black father in general. Not even just the black man, but the black protector, the black father who protects us. That mm. was taken away. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of the reasons I fight for Cosby is not because mm-hmm. I believe he never did anything wrong. It's to say that I want y'all to treat Bill. Here's my thing with y'all. I'm going to leave. I'm, this is my last thought on this. And then I got to go to this meeting. All I want for Cosby is not for you to think that he's an angel. I don't need you to do that. I need y'all to treat him with the same dignity that y'all would treat a white woman. If a white mm-hmm. woman was accused by a bunch of people of doing a crime, but there was no physical evidence, get, give me a yes or no in the chat. If a white woman was accused of a crime where there's no physical evidence, is there any chance that they would send her to die in prison with no evidence? Can anybody name any? You, you can, I bet you can't name one single time in American history where a white woman was accused of something where there was no physical evidence and she was sent to die in prison. Can you? Mm-hmm. Other than the Salem witch trials, which we all know was a travesty of justice. That, but that was a long time right, ago. Right, a long time ago, and we know, uh-huh. that, we know that it was terrible, right? Yeah. So that, why are y'all giving the black man the Salem witch trial treatment? 
Mm-hmm. Seriously, y'all, y'all literally, this is an inquisition. This is, um, you know, and, and, and the fact that there are black people who are okay with the direct and clear blatant violation of a black man's civil rights. I don't know what the hell's wrong with those people. Well, the thing when you, I'm sure there are cases of a white woman going to jail for something they didn't do, but it's not public. I think the issue is that what public white woman have you seen go down for something they didn't do? You know, it's the image. It's the image of the white woman going down. What that does psychologically. Like, let me tell you, it hurt me psychologically to see um, Whitney Houston go down the way she did. Mm. You know, because I grew up in the 80s. Whitney Houston was what who I looked up to. Like, mm. I loved what that was. That, she, she was the ultimate black woman. Whitney mm. Houston. But then to see her go down the way she did, it was it was hard. Mm. It yeah, was it tough. Was. And I think that's why Snowfall is such a hard show to watch. Because we I see so many wonderful women start using crack and they just go down. Girls. Well, you know, and yeah. it just that hurts. Yeah, I don't like I, I can't I can't yeah, snowfall <laughs> snowfall gets snowfall it. hurts. It started making me sick to my stomach. Yeah. You know, and they and they the imagery was amazing how they at the beginning of every show. When they have the neighborhood, the, the houses that smell the word spell the word snowfall. Yeah, it's and destroying. every episode, the houses get a little bit nastier and start, shit starts burning up. Oh my goodness! And you start seeing police uh, helicopter lights over it. Like, like you really, literally are seeing the decay of the black community. You really are, and to see that televised like that, and then we have to. We already lived through it in the eighties. Now we have to live through it again through this TV show, and we can't stop watching it. It's awful, and we can't stop watching it. Yeah, We're I, on season three. We haven't finished. I might not watch season four because like, I'm almost. Boys, we gotta. We gotta. I'm almost a little sick to my stomach. It, I, yeah. I, I, I think, and I think that what you know, and. and this is the thing that makes me fight so hard on things like this is that I like to hold on to and support and elevate those people who um, believe that the world can be better, you know, for all of us that, 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 or or they can remember a time where it wasn't like that. You know, the people who don't, who haven't been convinced that up is down and down is up. Like, you know, when, when you talked about, like, I, I really, you know, like the fighter in me came out when I, when I saw, you know, guys, online saying you know to thousands of people that marrying a black woman is simping and all this other stuff i'm like who the hell did who who raised you what's wrong with you you know like what kind of what kind of punk are you like like i don't even know what you're talking about like yeah, it's but, really they were, but they were but they were well, a lot of them were just raised by stupid ass rappers like these dumb ass uh, retarded rappers these sons of bitches that are dying at the age of 40 you know hooked on drugs rapping about killing other black people disrespecting women tricking tricking off their money to white folks embracing as much ignorance as they possibly can mm-hmm. that those become your heroes and that's all yeah. that's all part of the, the part of the plan their, their goal is to say we're going to take the shittiest black men ever and make them role models in the community so that every black man will be a piece of shit and won't accomplish anything yeah you know i see that was what was torn in me with snowfall it's like i'm siding with Franklin, <laughs> you know, I'm siding with him. I'm Franklin, rooting the main, the main character. The main in, character. In the I'm show. sorry, the main character, Franklin. I'm siding with Franklin, but he's the one that's destroying the community. He's the one that's just tearing it down. He's playing that part, and then they're trying to rationalize with us by saying, "Okay, if not him, then we'll just get somebody else." Like it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's no stopping it. We are gonna be the CIA is gonna be filtering these this cocaine this this crack into these communities and it's either going to be franklin this guy doing it or someone else and mm-hmm. so here we are rooting for i'm i'm gonna lie i'm rooting for him 
But I, I'm like, I shouldn't be because he's not no, I'm, I'm a not, good person. Well, yeah, in general, I, I, told you know? I, I don't, you know, I, I think, and I think Snowfall is just symbolic of kind of what we're yeah. talking about with, with the, with the contrast in terms of um, what black people have become, you know, what, what people have made us into. And mm-hmm. they've really made us into people who worship all the wrong things. And then when our community continues to remain in shambles, right. continues to fall apart. There are black people who cheer for that. There are black yeah. people who want that. They they see that as 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 being really black. Like that's the real black experience in their mind mm-hmm. because they don't know how to compare it to anything better than that. They they don't even know. They can't even imagine what a healthy family looks like because they never saw it. You know, like my you know mm-hmm. I had I had one mama. My daddy was garbage. And my mom was on crack. You know, um, you know, and, and you know, and, and they you know whatever. And I'm not making fun of those individuals. I'm just saying that that when you are addicted to the poison and you've been taught to celebrate the poison, then you don't want anything better than that. Yeah. You know what? As you were talking, I'm just here thinking about the Cosby show. The Cosby show was the answer to all of that. Mm. Just think about the Cosby show rose up during the, in the eighties, yeah, right? The during era. the time of the crack era, the Cosby show was a counter narrative to that. Mm. The counter show, the Cosby show was saying, okay, here we are. We're a lawyer, a doctor. We're together. We're an intact family. We're raising these kids. We're dealing with real issues. The Cosby show is what a lot of these people looked toward as the ultimate couple, as the ultimate wow. family. Wow. So the Cosby show really helped a lot of us. Um, I mean, he helped a lot of us during that era. Don't you think? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I remember you were talking to me about the subconscious mind. Yeah. After you did that. How many, how many hours did, was that? Uh, I'm listening. Tr- thing, the thing you listen it's to 22 hours and so you, i love it yeah so you you spent 22 hours studying the subconscious mind well right? at least 22 and, and i said, and, and I, <laughs> I never forget i said um what are the things that control the subconscious mind and you said trauma repetition mm-hmm. and symbolism mm-hmm. and so when i think about symbolism i think about things like that you talk about the whether it's the cosby show is a symbol of what black people can become uh and, and you notice if you watch the cosby show watch, watch yes. go, go back and watch scenes on the cosby show in the background they oh. always had stuff that was tapping into your subconscious mind yes like even i was watching that the, that episode where theo got the earring and his daddy called him with the earring and, mm-hmm. and i looked on the wall like what's yes. on the wall i saw you know hbcu i saw something with like frederick Douglass. Yeah. like like they really got that like yeah. they really knew the subconscious mind that symbolism matters Oh, it makes a big difference. And you see it all through the Cosby show. And the thing is, is that the fact that Bill Cosby must have known about the subconscious mind, but the other people also knew about the subconscious mind. Other people in Hollywood know about it, too. Mm. And maybe this is a way of taking symbology of taking down the Cosby show. I think that we all all of us should right now start watching the Cosby show with our families from, yeah. from episode one all the way. I think they went to season five or six. Yeah. Or we, we should just watch it and just have your kids watch that show. Oh, well, I uh, mean, because it is, it is. And, and you know what? I even think even in today's world, the Cosby show is the most progressive black show. I think ever Cosby shows better than any shit that's been made in the last 30 years. Yeah. There ain't nothing because there's no show. Like I think blackish, 
you know, Blackish doesn't have that symbolism in the show. No, Blackish is Blackish is not a bad show. It's a great show, but it, but it the, doesn't it have that symbolism. Like there. the Cosby Show, you could tell it was a show that was made by a a black, a highly educated group of people. Because you remember, uh, Do- Cosby didn't just lean on his own expertise, which was yeah. pretty substantial. I mean, he he did that Albert as part of his dissertation, yeah. but then also he would bring in people like Dr. Alvin Poisson mm-hmm. and others from and Har- James Comer. James, James, Comer. James Comer. Yeah, James Comer was um he was one of the um consultants on the show. Yeah, he yeah. had he had these really smart black yes. consultants who would help him to use the power of the platform mm-hmm. to elevate HBCUs, like HBCU enrollment went way up, mm-hmm. um, to elevate the imagery of black people. And I remember the biggest critique that they got at that time was that they were elitist and they were uppity. And, and I got, well, I got they were. That. Well, they, well, that's the thing. They, they, they were. No, but... no, no, I don't think they would have got the same critique 20 years earlier. I think they got that critique because they were in the crack era. And people said, well, wait, what do you mean? Two parents in the household, they love each other and healthy children. You know, like they like most of us are addicted to trauma and drama. Mm-hmm, like they're mm-hmm. like this is not realistic like mm-hmm. what What do you mean everybody goes to school and every, a doctor and a lawyer and i mean what is there there's nothing stopping people from mm-hmm. you know getting education like you can do these things right but but they act like that's not possible for black people so it's unrealistic like i guess they felt that good times was more realistic the good times because yeah. good times was every episode had trauma every episode mm-hmm. somebody got killed james lost his job Somebody try to rape Thelma. You know, it's uh, the gang members coming to beat up JJ. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There was always trauma. Oh, and the crooked politician. Yeah, the crooked politician. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Walona. The and, alderman. Uh, <laughs> Walona and, and, and uh, Penny's mama was beating up. Remember Penny's mama had oh, the iron? Oh, with the iron. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like all this traumatic stuff was happening, and people felt like that was more realistic. Whereas Cosby Show, it's like, no, we're just a regular family. Just yeah. dealing with regular stuff. Well, see, the Cosby Show was the number one show, so it wasn't just black people watching it. Everybody was watching the Cosby Show. Everybody. Yes. So, what did that do to our image and what people saw about us? Mm, that's real. That's real. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I, so, 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 yeah. I, I think that to be, no matter what people think about Bill Cosby, leave the Cosby Show alone. Like, just why can't? We just enjoy the show, and and why can't we still? In fact, I think it's okay to dislike Bill Cosby and to love Heathcliff Huxtable and Claire, and you know what I mean. Like, why not? Why yeah. not? Why must it all be in the same damn package? And why? even a different world, like a different world, was amazing. A too. different world was awesome. Come on, I mean, just well thought out shows. They weren't just trying to make the money. They, I'm sure they made plenty of money, but they were trying to do something good for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to be acknowledged. And I, and I really believe, and I, I'm really hoping Cosby um, and his team are able to follow through on what, what we had talked about on the, um, when uh, Cosby's rep came on this channel not too long ago, uh, where he said that they would like to support independent black media, you know, like, like platforms like this, where we're right. going to have these conversations, you know, we're two PhDs, two black PhDs having an honest oh. conversation. Right? You don't, you don't get that on mainstream media because, you know, because we don't fit the political affiliation, right? We don't mm-hmm. have the complexion for the connection. But I think that supporting these platforms is important because if I'm Cosby, you, I think it's important for him to understand that this is where his legacy is going to be secured. Mm-hmm. This is my, mm-hmm. not even a critique, but this is really something I would love to say. If I ever talk to him, I'm actually going to mention this. Think about this, right? This man has given millions of dollars to Spellman. Spellman ain't going to protect his legacy. Nope. Yeah. He's given millions of dollars to uh, Morehouse. Morehouse ain't going to protect his legacy. He's given millions to um, other HBCUs, uh, Howard. 
Howard show is hell ain't gonna protect his legacy. He's he's given millions to organizations around the country. NBC probably made a billion dollars off this man. They're not gonna protect his legacy. The people that are gonna protect his legacy are people in the community like your mama and my mama and the yeah. people listening in this chat right now who still who do believe that you can you know have a person who's accused of making mistakes but still acknowledge the good things they did in the world. That's it what Cosby's legacy would be, nice. be protected. It would be nice to honor him in some way in his legacy. I'm just saying. I think so. That he might be something it. that we, you know, we might want to do. Yeah. In yeah. some way. Yeah. And to, who cares what white people think? That they can think whatever they want. You know, I, I, I don't think we need to be offended that mm-hmm. they don't like him. And, and in fact, actually, anybody even in this chat who doesn't like Cosby, it's okay. But just know, like, there are those of us who, um, who believe his civil rights were violated. Um, it doesn't matter how you feel about him or what you think he might have done. Um, there's a standard. And this, and I want every black man to get the same legal standard that you would give a white woman. Yeah, I mean, look at look at our four found, founders. Our four founders were slaveholders. Oh, my God. <laughs> Their legacy has been protected and they were killing and raping black people. They killed and raped more black people than bill cosby's accusers <laughs> <laughs> you know you know it, it's yes. it was years and years of upholding a system of slavery and mm. they're on a dollar bill preach, and everywhere i go preach. <laughs> stop preach please. girl everywhere i go i'm reminded of how great our forefathers are with the fourth of july and all that other crap wow you know why can't we put him why can't we lift him up to wow that's real that, that i'm gonna drop the mic on that because uh, you just made the most interesting comment of this discussion, in my view. When you said that, I, I, that's a very simple idea. But the gold is the gold is in the simple ideas. You know, the, the gold mm-hmm. is buried in the simplest ideas. And what you just said is profound. I mean, I want y'all to really process that. What she just made, I think you made a great point, is you have plenty of people that are on the dollar bill, that mm-hmm. are honored in every imaginable way. And, we, and they turn a blind eye. Federal holidays on their birthdays. And, yeah. and we know that they raped lots of, that they did lots of raping and killing. And, you know, I don't know if people don't even know George Washington actually helped pass a law that said that you can hunt down slaves. That once somebody's, uh, once a slave escapes, you can still hunt them down for the rest of their life. Oh, gosh. You know what? Yeah. You can go on and on. I'm sure Claude Anderson was here. He can go on and on. You can go on and on about stories and facts. These are yes. facts. Yes, absolutely. So so there we go. Okay, everybody. Well, I'm going to get, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Um, we, we decided we want to call this segment Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. <laughs> Alicia because a lot of times, literally, we are laying on our pillows and talking. Um, but uh, but make no mistake about it, our goal is to share um, important ideas with the community because, um, you know, we I know I didn't meet my first black professor until I was 19 years old. So given oh. that we, you know, we're two, two black professors who, you know, who, who love the hell out of each other and love our community, I think it's important for people to hear those perspectives. So, uh, so thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you want to follow Alicia, Coaching with Dr. Alicia.com is her website. Um, she does lots of couples therapy and stuff like that. She's a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. And also she's coaching with Dr. Alicia on Instagram. So feel free to um, look that up. And uh, also I want to mention to you guys that we're doing, uh, we, we made a movie. Uh, we made a movie called Happily Ever After. Tierra KJ Williams is the director. And we're going to show this film. Um, our films, you know, I know that other people put films out and, you know, you got to pay money to watch them and stuff. Our films are free. So you can actually watch um, this film for free. 
Uh, you can just register. We're going to show it uh, July 22nd. It's going to be a public screening. And you can go to blackmovienight.net and just register and uh, come on in. We're going to watch watch the movies actually broken into six pieces. So we're going to watch uh, each piece, one piece per week for six weeks. And we're going to bring in the couples that are featured in the film. And also Tierra KJ Williams is going to join us to talk about the movie. And it's all about how to make black love and relationships work, which is important for our community. So, Oh, wow. Tierra did that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Watch. Now on, I'm, I'm interested. In well, she worked this. on it for a year and a half. And, um, and I know that she, that the Oprah Winfrey network had expressed interest in the film, but I was really happy they, they didn't buy it because it allows us to show it to the public, you know, as, as opposed to, because um, we weren't opposed to selling it. Like, if they'd offered us a ridiculous amount of money, we would have taken it because we could reinvest that money and do other things with it. Mm-hmm. But um, when they didn't buy it, I told Tierra, I said, you know, let's, I don't want to sell this thing to anybody. Let's just, you know, share it with the community. So um, so I hope you guys will join us. Um, it's on July 22nd. Just go to blackmovienight.net and you can register. And we have a lot of other things happening. I'll tell you about that more a little bit later. I got to get to this meeting. My, my poor sister. Yeah, you are late. She's been so patient with me. So let me get the hell up out of here. So God bless you. Please hit the thumbs up button. Uh, everybody please hit the thumbs up button before you go we will see you soon take care have a good day say goodbye okay goodbye everyone